Good morning. It's great to be with you uh, today. I'm, I hope you're having a good day so far. Um, I don't know how many of you have watched the new Disney film Encanto yet. We've actually only watched it once in our household, but the soundtrack has been on on loop, um, and so it feels like a lot more. I don't know if any other parents can resonate with that. Um, Anyway, this film is set amongst an extended Colombian family and um, where everyone is given this miraculous superpower when they reach a certain age. Everyone that is, except for one little girl called Mirabel. Now, Mirabel is funny and kind and generous. She loves her family, but because she hasn't got this kind of impressive supernatural ability, she feels somehow inferior. And as I was thinking about this talk, which is called As Beautiful Kind of Ordinary, um, in our series all about the Holy Spirit, I was reminded of Mirabel. How often is, we, is it that we think that the Holy Spirit at work in our lives is all about the extraordinary? Maybe we can look at other Christians in the church and think, oh, wow, they're speaking in tongues. They must be super spiritual. Or I just love the way that person led worship. Or that person prayed for someone and they were healed. It's amazing. And then maybe we look at ourselves uh, and we wonder if we match up. And as we've said already in this teaching series, those ways that the Holy Spirit blesses our community are amazing, but they are not the only way that the Spirit is at work in our lives. And as we look at this passage in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit, and, um, and actually the book of Galatians as a whole, we realize that, that we, that pressure we put ourselves on um, to be better, that feeling that somehow we're not enough, that is not from God. Galatians uh, 5 verse 1 says, It was for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by the yoke of slavery. And there's this theme that runs right through the book of Galatians, this theme of freedom. In fact, N.T. Wright says, Galatians is a mantra for Christian freedom. So that burden, that pressure that we're feeling, that's not what it's all about. So Paul is writing this letter to the Galatians to warn them, actually, about two kinds of slavery or pressures, if you like, that they were coming under. First of all was the danger of false teachers in the church who were telling the Gentile, non-Jewish believers that they had to obey the ancient Jewish law. They were teaching that beyond having faith in Jesus, there were other requirements to faith, other hoops that we had to jump through. And how many times do we forget to live in that freedom that Jesus has won for us? How many times do we forget about grace that it's all about what God has done and it is not dependent on what we do? It is not God's intention that we feel burdened by our faith, that we feel like we can't live up to his standard. In Galatians, Paul says, you are set free from the law. Yes, before Jesus, we had this temporary system of rules and sacrifices. But as we remembered in communion, Jesus has come and that changes everything. There is nothing any of us can do to save ourselves or become a better Christian. Let go of that law that you are holding on to. And maybe this morning for some of us, that is a word today for you to let go. So that's the law. That's the first kind of slavery going on in the Galatian church. What's the second? At the beginning of the passage we had read for us, um, Paul says in verse 13, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Paul is saying here that having been sent, set free from the law, this sense of should, of try harder, be better, don't run straight into thinking, oh well, I can do whatever I want then. That is just another kind of slavery. And when Paul uses the word flesh here, he doesn't mean our physical bodies. He means our sinful nature. 
This is what we can become a slave to. It is our sinful nature that can separate us from God and separate us from other people. Have a listen to this list we had read. Sexual morality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like, and so on. Do you notice this list feels pretty chaotic, doesn't it? It feels compulsive. I think when we read it, we can all recognise that that feels broken. They feel like unhealthy patterns of behaviour. And some of them might feel quite remote and quite weird to us, quite distant. But others of them might feel a bit familiar, mightn't they? Because we all have a tendency towards our sinful nature. When I was prepping this talk at home a few weeks ago, I was working downstairs in the kitchen and my husband Johnny was working from home upstairs and he came down to make a cup of tea and um, he just said, you know, how's it going? Um, like, is it, are you feeling all right about it? Don't forget not to ramble too much. Don't forget to put in some good points that people can hang on to. And you know what? My husband knows me well. He knows I have a tendency to ramble and just go off on points. So this was really helpful advice. Anyway, he made his cup of tea and he went back upstairs. And I sat there thinking about what he'd been saying. And you know what? I started to feel a bit irritated. <laughs> I started to get a bit annoyed. And I thought, oh, you know, he's just come and interrupted my train of thought. He doesn't know what I've already written. He's making assumptions about what I've got wrong. And before I'd known it, I'd slammed my laptop shut and I'd gone off to have a sulk in another room. <laughs> Sorry, Johnny. <laughs> and this is what sin does, doesn't it? It drives a wedge between relationships. It drives a wedge between us and God and between us and other people. And we all need the Holy Spirit at work in our lives to point to a different way, to be free from the chaos and havoc of sin and to be free from the burden of striving and trying harder to be good enough for God. And it is into this context that Paul introduces the fruit of the Spirit, a kind of third way, if you like. Verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are the characteristics of the Holy Spirit, the characteristics of God that can grow in our lives. And there's just four brief points I want to make about this fruit. Number one, the purpose of the fruit. Repeatedly in this passage, Paul talks about love. Verse 31 says, serve one another in love. Verse 14, love one another as yourself. And of course, the fruit of the Spirit is love. The purpose of the fruit is not to make ourselves feel more impressive or more spiritual. The purpose is to bless and to serve one another. This is what true freedom looks like. Paul writes the letter of the Galatians to a group of believers, not just to one individual. The fruit is a sign of a healthy community, one that isn't fixated on rules and regulations, on jumping through hoops and impressing one another. This is a community living in the freedom of Christ, together, united. And do you notice how this list feels so different to the desires of the flesh? It's ordered, it's about bringing people together, not tearing them apart. It's about desiring the best for one another. Nicky Gumbel, in his commentary on this passage, he quotes a friend of his, Michael Timmis. He says, The way I define love is by using the fruit of the Spirit, which starts with love. I believe that joy is love rejoicing. Peace is love at rest. Patience is love waiting. Kindness is love interacting. Goodness is love initiating. Faithfulness is love keeping its word. Gentleness is love empathizing. And self-control is love resisting temptation. I love that. 
So the purpose of this fruit is for building community, it's for loving one another. Number two, um, the fruit isn't dependent on our circumstances. We might feel a really nice sense of peace and escapism by running a hot bath, having a few bubbles in there, taking up a drink, opening a good book, and having a bit of me time. But how much greater the depth of peace we have despite the hectic schedule of the day, or the depth of peace that we feel when life is really hard. As a family, we had a pretty tough year last year. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and I know many of you have been through the same. Our problems weren't actually related to COVID, not directly, um, but we had to work through some medical conditions and situations that were quite challenging. And um, through all the conversations with the really lovely staff at Birmingham Hospitals has come um, a fair amount of uncertainty as we as a family walk into a future with medical conditions that are unpredictable. We don't know how much or how little they are going to affect our lives. And now, more than ever, I realise how little I am in control of my life. And the temptation to be anxious, to be fearful, to be angry even, is really real. But what I've also experienced in the midst of this is an extraordinary sense of peace. And a, a peace about a future and a deep-seated joy that doesn't come from having all my ducks in a row and having everything working out nicely, but which comes from knowing that I am held by the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit lives in me. A picture I've kind of had of this over the last year is that feeling of being in a deep, murky, kind of gross trench, but the feeling that the Holy Spirit surrounds me. It is deeper than that trench. It goes all around me. A verse we've held on to is Philippians 4, verse 7. It's a very well-known verse. It says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace that surpasses understanding. And we could put other words in there as well, couldn't we? The kindness we extend when we're feeling overwhelmed. The patience when we're exhausted. The faithfulness to someone who has let us down. This has not been an easy path to tread, and I know that many of you will have similar stories to tell. But it seems to me that in the hard times of life, that is when the fruit can shine in the most unexpected and yet beautiful ways. It's like when you see a flower growing up through the cracks of a wall or a pavement, and there is something beautiful growing unexpectedly in the brokenness. So secondly, the fruit doesn't depend on circumstances. Thirdly, as we follow the Spirit's prompting in our lives, the fruit that occurs can often feel quite small and perhaps underwhelming. It's often in the ordinary of the everyday that we have the opportunity to grow. I've been trying to practice listening to God's prompting in my life recently, and this is what it looks like. It looks like stopping to have a chat with my neighbour on the way home when actually I've got a really big list of jobs in my head that I want to get through. It's having patience with my kids when they are tired and emotional, and I am probably tired and emotional, and they've just told me the food I've cooked them is disgusting. It's the self-control of leaving my phone on the side when I'm playing with my kids or eating dinner so that I can have quality time with my friends and with my family. What about joy? It's thanking God for a friend's good news, even though part of me wishes it had happened to me too. It's keeping my peace when I drove all the way to Solihull in the pre-Christmas shopping frenzy, only to discover the thing I wanted to return was on the kitchen table back home. And it's being faithful to replying to, in replying to people's messages and staying in touch. It can kind of feel quite unremarkable, can't it? It doesn't necessarily feel like we're winning at life, maybe just like we're surviving. 
And for the record, I have not succeeded in doing all those things all the time. When I do manage it, often it feels like nobody notices those small acts of faithfulness. It feels like it's only when I slip up that anyone pays attention. But that's not true, is it? God sees the slip-ups and the small wins, the tiny moments that look like nothing to the outside world, but feel like a huge step to us. He isn't there wagging a finger when we get it wrong. He's bending down to pick us up again. Psalm 117, verse 2 says, Great is his steadfast love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. He loves those moments when we turn to him, when we rely on him, when we feel like we're pushed to the edge of what we can cope with, and he gives us the strength to dig a little bit deeper. From the outside, it might not look remarkable, but on the inside, the fruit is growing. And these things can take time as well, can't they? There's a scene I love in the film Little Women. And if you don't know the story, it's about six sisters, um, six, four sisters living in 19th century America. And the elder sister, Jo, she is feisty and strong-willed, and she struggles to control her temper. And one evening, she's sitting down with her mum, and her mum says to her, do you know what, Jo? You remind me of myself. And Jo says, what? You're never angry. And Jo's mum says, do you know what? I'm angry nearly every day of my life. But within in 40, in about 40 years of my life, I have learned um, to, to get better at controlling it and to not let it get the better of me. And as somebody who is prone to anger, who finds that hard, I find this inspiring and um, encouraging. God is gentle and kind with us. He doesn't expect to have it, us to have it nailed overnight. How many examples do we have in the Bible of God's faithfulness to his people when they mess up again and again? So we've said this is about love and community. It's not dependent on our circumstances, and it's okay if it feels a bit small and unremarkable. But finally, how does this happen? How do we grow this fruit in our lives? Well, hopefully, as you've gathered, this isn't a list of try-harder action points. We've already covered, we've been set free from that way of living. This is the evidence of the Spirit living inside of us. Paul tells us in verse 18, be led by the Spirit. Verse 25, keep in step with the Spirit. What does this look like? What does it mean? I heard an illustration that it's a bit like we're a sunflower. And the sunflower can't grow all by itself by trying really harder, but the sunflower's job is to turn and to look at the sun. Or another picture we've used a lot at this teaching series is that picture of the boat that, Judy, um, that somebody mentioned earlier. Um, it's like the spirit is the wind in the sails of the boat, and our job is to adjust the sails so that we can best catch the wind. But it's the wind that does the work. It's the sun that grows the sunflower. So clearly, we're not entirely passive in this process of growing, are we? What are those small adjustments that you can be making to catch the wind, to catch the Holy Spirit in your life? The Holy Spirit lives in you. Involve him in your decisions and follow his prompting. If you are feeling uncomfortable about something, maybe that is the Holy Spirit telling you to stop what you're doing. On the other hand, if you're feeling at peace about a decision, then follow that thing. Do you remember me telling you about going and having a sulk when Johnny had come and interrupted my talk prep? Well, I hadn't been sitting there long when I felt a little niggling in the back of my mind, and um, I felt a bit uncomfortable. I actually react quite physically in these situations, so I kind of had a knot in my stomach. And I felt God gently say, do you know what, Jenny? You've just been prepping a talk about patience, about gentleness, about kindness. Do you think maybe you overreacted a bit there? And I thought, do you know what? I think I might have done. 
And, um, and I said sorry, and I asked for forgiveness, and I went back to my talk. And, um, and later on, Johnny and I talked about it, and I thanked him for providing an illustration for my talk. Um, if you struggle to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, then invest in that relationship. This is the spirit of Jesus. So spend time getting to know his voice. John 15 talks about abiding with Christ in order to bear fruit. Abide with Jesus, sit with him, talk to him, read about him, listen to him. Not because you have to, because you must, but because you can. And take time to be filled with the Spirit. D.S. Moody says, I need to keep being filled with the Spirit because I leak. And don't we all feel that? If you feel like you're running on empty, that you're having to rely on your own strength, then ask God to fill you again. And we're going to have time for that during the worship. But do you know what? We don't need to be at church to be filled with the Spirit. You can be washing the dishes and ask God to be with you. Ephesians 5 talks about being filled with the Spirit as we sing songs. And one of the things I like to do when I'm feeling weak is to put on the worship music whilst I'm doing ordinary things. I'm cleaning the loo or cooking the dinner or doing the school run in the ordinary everyday activities of life. As we finish, I just want to leave you with one last story. At the end of January as a church, we had a few days of prayer together, and one afternoon we attempted to get our kids involved in this. Um, so we sat on the floor and we drew some pictures of the people and the things that we wanted to pray for, and we had my daughter's jewellery making kit in front of us, and we took it in time to, to pray, and each of us picked up a little colourful bead from the jewellery kit and put it onto a string, and then it went round to the next person, and we just prayed for these things and added beads onto the string. And at the end of um, our time of prayer, we had this short, I've even got it here, this short a little um, chain of beads and after our prayer time my daughter who is three insisted on putting this chain of beads around her neck and going off to get on with the rest of her day and I just thought what a lovely picture that is isn't it that when we spend time with God we don't leave that time unchanged something is different about us as we go back into our ordinary life something is new and something of God goes with us into those moments as we wrap up, you might be feeling a few different things. Maybe that word freedom has really spoken to you. Maybe you've been feeling trapped or pressured recently, and God's word for you is to let go. Maybe you're struggling to walk in step with the Spirit, and you'd like to ask God to speak clearly into your life. Or maybe you're feeling empty and weak, and you want to be filled with the Spirit again. We would love to pray for you, that you would experience the love, the joy, the peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control of God's Spirit growing in your life.